Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. It is great to be with you on this Monday, January the 8th of 2024, the final day of this college football season. My name is Darren Pritchett, and welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat here on WSBT Radio. I hope you had a terrific weekend. I greatly appreciate you joining me on this Monday evening. Sports Beat tonight on the air from now until 6.30. At 6.30, we have coverage of college football's national championship game. The number one seed, the Michigan Wolverines, taking on the two seed, the Washington Huskies. Who will hoist the college football playoff trophy? We'll find out later tonight. Again, you can hear the game right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Over the next hour and 25 minutes or so, we have our hat trick of opening topics to begin the program in a couple of moments. Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated, the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold. He will join me at the bottom of the hour to talk Notre Dame football. We'll get his prediction on the national championship game. We have our Twitter X question of the day to get to and also a recap of the voting from Friday's question. In the 6 o'clock hour, we will spend a couple of moments on Notre Dame hockey. We've got Sizzler to get to. We'll try to sneak in a little NFL as well along the way with the regular season coming to a close. It looks like Bears head coach Matt Eberflus will keep his job. He'll be back as Bears head coach in 2024. All signs are pointing toward Eberflus being back. And from the Colts' perspective, a lot of fans probably were wondering if Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator, would be back. 
According to the head coach, Shane Steichen, yep, Bradley is going to be back. He believes in continuity, which is something that Marcus Freeman talked about about a month ago. So, looks like very little change for the Bears and the Colts as we head into the offseason. One thing to mention right off the bat here with this national championship game tonight, if you believe in history, then Washington is going to win the national championship tonight. Now, this is not a major stat, but in 2015, the two-seed Alabama beat the one-seed Clemson 45-40 in the first-ever 1-2 matchup. It occurred again in 2016. The two-seed Clemson knocked off the one-seed Alabama 35-31. And the third time that won Phase 2 in the championship game, 2018, guess what happened? The two-seed won again. Clemson rolled by Alabama 44-16. That's your trend. The number one seed has never beaten the number two seed in the college football playoffs. Does that give Washington an advantage tonight? Of course not, but if you're rooting against Michigan, there's something to hang your hat on. Personally, Michigan is a wonderful football team. They're an excellent football team. They're probably the better football team. And it's a shame the players have to deal with the scandals that have gone on with Jim Harbaugh this year. But it is what it is. Some would argue they don't deserve to be in the title game. I'm not sure how you police all the sign-stealing stuff unless you're acknowledging that no one else is doing it. Awfully hard to say that. Maybe not in the capacity that Michigan was able to pull it off. But they're in the title game, and if you don't believe they deserve to be there, then you've got another team to root for in the Washington Huskies, who are a fun football team, explosive Michael Penix Jr., the old Indiana quarterback who beat Michigan as the Hoosier quarterback, has an opportunity to beat him again, and this time the national championship is on the line. Jim Harbaugh, of course, has coached in a Super Bowl. Now he'll get a chance to lead his alma mater into the national championship game. If you're looking for a reason to root for somebody, Kalen DeBoer is a fun story. The head coach for Washington he started at the NAIA level and had amazing success. I think he went 67-3, and moved up to Southern Illinois University. Carbondale was part of the Salukis football program, and now here he is as the head coach of the Washington Huskies and have them playing for a national championship tonight. An explosive offense. The defense has some holes, but as we talked about, after the win over Texas, when the game is on the line, they always seem to come up with a stop. The one thing about Michigan, they have not faced many great offenses this year. Eric Hansen from InsideIndieSports.com mentioned on the program last night that UNLV is the best offense statistically that Michigan has faced. So, with the way Michigan stalled out at times against Alabama, Alabama's defense is better than Washington's, but it makes you wonder if Washington starts scoring a little bit, what type of pressure is that going to put on the Michigan passing attack, which has not had to been the focus in quite some time? Blake Corum kind of takes care of things running the football. Former Irish quarterback Brady Quinn was on the Dan Patrick Show on WSBT Radio earlier today. His thoughts on the title game? Uh, 
it's a tough question to answer because I think a lot of people have doubted this Washington Huskies team and their ability to continue to not only beat top-ranked teams, I mean, just go back to the Pac-12 championship game, look at the line of that game, but I think Michael Penix play. And just since he has arrived in Seattle for the Huskies, the way he has played, the ridiculous accuracy down the field, throw after throw, and I know they've got a lot of talented wide receivers, but he's putting the ball in spots where only those guys can get in the defense camp. And I think people keep waiting for it to run out or for it to stop or maybe for them to have a game that looks similar to the Arizona State game where they Mm. they got held out of the end zone. It was all field goals. But I I don't know that's going to happen. I kind of get those, like, Joe Burrow vibes from the LSU season um, where they just were unstoppable offensively and the defense was good enough. And maybe that's all Washington has to be. But the one thing you can't measure, Dan, and this is where I kind of got fooled to in, in, in looking at that Bama Michigan matchup is just the physicality that Michigan plays with and the tone they set early on in games. The big plays, you can have the change of momentum. You can have anything you want. But it still comes down to the trenches, and Michigan tries to establish that right out the gate in every game they play, and they've been really successful doing so. And so that's kind of one of those deals you can't measure. And just the fact that, like, Michigan's now a changeup in college football. You heard Nick Saban talk about the challenge of going against a team that huddles where you might know their personnel grouping, but you don't know their formation. And and you really have to make a call and then stick with that call because you don't have the ability to change as compared to when you go against a no-huddle group that's at the line of scrimmage and you can make a change of call when they make a change of call or they do something. Sometimes there's time to do that. You don't have that versus Michigan offensively. And just the last thing is the personnel groupings. Not many people run out there with two tight end, three tight end, two running back, two tight end sets and just want to pound away with the football and then build in some pass plays and things off of that. And I think it's tough to prepare for because most college rosters aren't built that way. And Michigan's unique in that sense. So I think this is one in where something's got to give. And, and I don't think it's going to be Michigan. It just feels like this is that year mm. where Michigan finds a way of winning a tight, close game. But it should be a ton of fun to watch. All right. That's former Irish quarterback Brady Quinn earlier today on the Dan Patrick Show. Heard weekdays from 9 to noon on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I have to admit, ever since. January 1st, when the semifinal games took place, I felt like Michigan is going to win the football game. The worst thing you can ever do is change your pick because it always comes back to bite you. But I have flipped this afternoon. Michigan's defense is great. Their pass rush is great. The Joe Moore Award winners for best offensive line, the Washington Huskies. Michigan has not faced an offense of the caliber of Washington. I think Washington will have issues with Michigan's rushing attack, but I'm going to flip, which I can't believe I'm doing, but I'm going to go Washington 34, Michigan 30. Mike Varell, the former South Bend Tribune writer covering Notre Dame football about six, seven years ago. He is on the beat for Washington football. He was on the program right around Christmas time, and he thought that Washington would beat Texas, but Washington would lose to Michigan or Alabama in the title game. I probably should listen to him since he knows the Huskies a heck of a lot better than I do, but I'm going to go Washington. I I really like the five and a half that you're getting, or five depending on the outlet, and take my chances there. But, yeah, I flipped. Probably not the right thing to do. I've got Washington now winning 
34-30. We'll start our coverage from ESPN Radio in an hour and 12 minutes. Now to our hat trick of opening topics here on WSBT Radio. Irish football recruiting news from over the weekend. 2025 defensive end Christopher Burgess picked Notre Dame. The four-star from Chicago picked the Irish over some heavy hitters. Ohio State, Alabama, and Michigan. The Simeon product became the third recent Windy City pickup. Following in line with 2024 wide receiver Cam Williams, 2025 Viper Dominic Hulick, and defensive lineman Joseph Rafe. Burgess, 6'4", 240 pounds. Rivals evaluation says he has the twitch to become off the edge, but has the ability to add some mass and, if needed, could be an interior defensive lineman. Tim Hyde from Blue and Gold Illustrated joined Mike Singer on a reactive video conversation on YouTube.com over the weekend. And that is always found on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Here's what Tim had to say about the newest Notre Dame recruit, 2025 defensive end Christopher Burgess. Yeah, a very versatile football player. That's the one thing that jumps off on his film. He's got a long, long junior film, about nine minutes long. And the more you watch it, you start to see how he's all over the place. He's played three tech. He's played the strong side end. He's played a stand-up rush. He's even played some tight end for them out there running routes. He's a he's a solid football player. He's really, really athletic. Uh, great, great low base in his stance. I love how he's always shooting his hands. Always playing with his hands. Obviously, with him, the first thing that pops out is, boom, get him in the weight room, get him bigger, stronger, and that's just going to be natural with so many of these guys that they've recruited. Really, really reminds me a lot of Bubakar uh, Traore. You know, when he committed, same type of things on film, a lot of really good athleticism, plays with his hands. Then it's like, okay, go eat, go eat, go eat, keep gaining weight, keep gaining size. And that's what I see with, uh, you know, with Burgess. Really, he is very long. And it's going back to, like I said, he's always shooting his hands, playing with leverage. He's got a good little motor to the ball. So it's a good get because it just keeps packing on some of the other DNs that they've assigned the last couple of years. And another point real quick with the ends that they've signed is they're long. You got a really long football player that I think is definitely going to grow and be a strong side DN down the road for the Irish. That's Tim Hyde from Blue and Gold Illustrated here. Mike and Tim's complete conversation on Burgess. Just go to YouTube.com and search Blue and Gold Illustrated. Christopher Burgess, the number six strong side defensive end in the 25 recruiting class, according to Rivals, player number 61 overall, number four player in the state of Illinois. Our second hat trick of opening topic for this Monday, Duke 67 Notre Dame 59. The Irish basketball team on Saturday, again, in the first half, put themselves in position to pick up a victory. Only down 29-27 at halftime. They were up nine at one point in the first half, but another slow start to the second half hurt Notre Dame, leading head coach Micah Shrewsbury to take all the starters out except Marcus Burton. The Irish offensively, unfortunately, just could not get enough done as the defense did their part again. We know what we're going to get out of them, but offensively, it is 
a challenged group. Here's Coach Shrewsbury after the loss to the Dukies. Yeah, a very versatile football player. I mean, that's the one thing. Excuse me, hit the wrong button. Let me try one more time. Just credit to Duke, you know, coming in here and this, uh, you know, just a hard fall game both ways, right? I thought it was uh, exactly what we wanted it to be. Um, but I thought, you know, there, there are moments where it gets away from us that, you know, one run is, in a lot of games has really killed us, and we haven't been able to, uh, haven't been able to come back from those. That's where we got to be better. That's why we got to keep growing as a team. But, uh, you know, I, I thought our effort that we're putting in is tremendous. Our guys are playing extremely hard. They're playing unselfish. They're fighting till the end, and. Uh, they're giving us everything that, that we're asking for, right? And, like, our details will continue to get better. Our, our discipline will get better as we, you know, get tired and get down towards the end of the game. we got to continue to be disciplined with what we're doing. But um, yeah, we're, we're going to continue to keep to keep growing from this and keep going. Well, the defense, again, up to the challenge. Duke in the first half, 9 of 29 from the field, only 3 of 14 from the three-point line. But the Irish offense had the kind of game, unfortunately, you expect. They struggled to sustain offense. 39% from the field, 5 of 19 threes. This really hurt them. 8 of 16 from the free-throw line. Tay Davis went 3 of 8. And we have become so accustomed to the assist-turnover ratio to be just ridiculous from a good standpoint watching Notre Dame basketball the last couple of decades this obviously is a different group 14 turnovers only five assists for the assist by freshman Marcus Burton who had 18 points but he needed 21 field goal attempts to get to those 18 points four assists four turnovers the only other assist by an Irish player was Tay Davis we're limited in who we are as a team offensively, currently as constructed, we're limited. Um, we'll grow, we'll keep getting better, um, but like, you know, that, I think that's the thing is, is I don't know how much that changes this year. Like we get a little bit better at, in our execution. I think we gotta be a little better in our execution, what we're doing, having everybody on the same page. So our focus gotta be better offensively. Um, and then from night to night, like, guys have off nights sometimes, but, like, my effort can't be off. My focus can't be off. My discipline can't be off. My, my shot might be off, but the other stuff can't be. And that's where, uh, you know, sometimes we'll go roller coaster with that. Well, the bench did provide a little boost. Braden Shrewsbury, four out of seven from the three-point line, 12 points in 26 minutes and only one turnover. I'm a big Kerry Booth guy. Only four field goal attempts in this game in 22 minutes, three points, and six rebounds. The Irish did a great job on the seven-footer, Kyle Filipowski. Only two of 12 from the field, seven points, five rebounds. You love that. But then Mark Mitchell hurts you for 23 points on eight of 12 shooting from the field. Duke averages 83.5 points per game, only 67 Saturday against the Irish at Purcell Pavilion.
So now Notre Dame is 6-9, and 1-3 one and three in the ACC. They will travel to Georgia Tech for a game tomorrow night at 9 o'clock right here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage at 8.30. Oh, by the way, the Yellow Jackets beat the Dukies down in Atlanta earlier this year. And our third and final hat trick of opening topics comes from the National Football League, where Saturday night the Houston Texans ended the Indianapolis Colts season 23-19. Indianapolis misses the postseason after the loss to the Texans. They finish 9-8. 9-8 at the start of the year probably sounded pretty good if you're a Colt fan for two reasons. Number one, you were starting a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Second of all, Richardson got hurt. Gardner Minshew took over. I'm not sure expectations were off the chart for Colts fans with Minshew coming in to play quarterback. Steady, solid, not spectacular. The Colts did get to 9-8 and eight in a division that had a, a couple of pretty good teams in it. But at the same time, you got to be a little disappointed because the game was there for the taking for Indianapolis after falling behind 14-3. They roared back, but Indianapolis just couldn't come all the way back. First and 10 from the Texans, 23 with two minutes to go. The first of three straight running plays, netting the Colts nine yards. So fourth and one with 106 to play. Shane Steichen used his first timeout, wanted to see what the defense was offering. He's being criticized for, quote-unquote, wasting that timeout. I don't call it a waste. Your season is on the line with that play. Don't worry about the timeouts later. you got to find the right play to beat the defense. So I have no problem with using a timeout there, trying to find something in the defense that you can take advantage of. He wanted to see what the Texans' defensive look was. So fourth and one, they decided to take. Jonathan Taylor, they're all everything running back off the field. And they called a pass play. And Gardner Minshew's pass into the left flat to Tyler Goodson was a little behind the Colt running back. He got both hands on the football reaching back but could not reel it in. Game over. After a safety, Texans were able to get the job done, winning 23-19. What really hurt the Colts, the inability to get anything done on third down. They were 1-for-11 on third down in the game. And the one conversion was on that final drive. The go-ahead touchdown drive, two spectacular throws by C.J. Stroud. Panther fans just have to be taking several excedrins every Sunday, knowing the pain of not taking Stroud, going with Bryce Young. To be fair, Young has no offensive line, very few great skill players around him, so it's tough, but Stroud looks so good right now. It does hurt Panther fans at least a little bit. So Stroud, two great throws, kept the chains moving, leading to Devin Singletary's touchdown run to put Houston in front, 23-17. Stroud, 20 of 26 for 264. He slinged a couple of touchdown passes with no picks. On the other hand, Gardner Minshew, 13 of 24 for 141. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Jonathan Taylor ran the ball so well. 30 carries for 188 and a touchdown. So Anthony Richardson coming off shoulder surgery. He'll be back at the helm of the Colts offense this coming fall. Colts season comes to a close, 9-8. and eight. 
And going forward, the Colts are going to have to contend with C.J. Stroud. That kid looks so good right now in that Texans offense. Those are our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. We'll talk some football with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Continues now. Now Leonard. Down the sideline. Leonard's got great wheels. Riley Leonard inside the 20. On Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Leonard has to scramble. And on that ankle, just grits his teeth. Look at this run. Leonard gets the pass off. He's got Calhoun. Wow. No way. From Sports Radio 960 AM, WSPT. The side run for Leonard. And he's able to break a tackle again. this time it's like he has butter on his jersey 535 at WSBT sports beat continues on this Monday evening before we talk to Tyler Horka his colleague Mike Singer the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at blue and gold illustrated blue and three minutes ago posted a story that the Irish have another 2025 commitment this time safety Ethan Long he is verbally committed to the Fighting Irish over Ohio State, Michigan, and others. So Notre Dame is going toe-to-toe with all the heavy hitters in college football. And the last couple of days, Christopher Burgess picked the Irish over Ohio State, Alabama, and Michigan. And now Ethan Long verbally commits to the Fighting Irish. So, Tyler, the momentum of Marcus Freeman's recruiting continues. I mean, he put together a really good recruiting staff, and it has really shown over the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And just to the point of nabbing Ethan Long, he's one of the guys that I've actually seen in person. He came to one of those, or maybe even two of the camps that Notre Dame had last summer. And that's generally when I'll dip my toes into the recruiting pool the most. Mike Singer, Kyle Kelly, do most of the heavy lifting for us at blueandgold.com on that front. But I do get to get out to go to those camps, especially when they're in such close proximity to where I live, obviously in South Bend. Ethan Long is, is a standout. He was one of the guys at those camps that you look at and you say, okay, all the big fish, the blue buds in college football, they're going to be going for him. So when you say that he commits over Ohio State and Michigan, I'm not surprised. And quite frankly, to your point, I'm not surprised that Notre Dame was able to snag him because, like you said, Notre Dame is landing players who are choosing between those types of schools uh, pretty regularly now, and that's definitely a, a testament to what Marcus Freeman has done and is doing. Since we're talking about a safety committing to the Fighting Irish, let's look ahead to the fall of 2024. Xavier Watts returning after his Nagurski award-winning season to man one of the safety spots. What is your evaluation of the safety position going into 2024? And I know they've tried to bring in the young man from Northwestern to be possibly a safety on this football team. We'll see how that pans out. But where do you think the Irish are right now at the safety position? Well, where they're at right now is, thank God, Xavier Watts (laughs) chose to shun the NFL for one more year and come back to Notre Dame because without him, Notre Dame wouldn't have an upperclassman safety, true safety, 
on this roster, and obviously you can move some guys around and maybe some of the younger guys. Like I'm looking at a Don Schuler, maybe he might be thrust into a, a bigger role this year, but safety kind of like linebacker was one of those positions for Notre Dame in the last couple of seasons where they put all of their chips into a couple players. Like last season, it was Brandon Joseph and uh, DJ Brown, Xavier Watts got a little bit of the pie. This year it was all Xavier Watts and really all DJ Brown as well. So I, I compared to the linebackers because in the last couple of seasons, all you had was J.D. Bertrand and all you had was Maris Leofow, and then you sprinkled Jack Kaiser in there. There wasn't a whole lot beyond that. I mean, Jalen Sneed a, a little bit. Uh, for the safeties, though, it's going to be all Xavier Watts. You have to hope that he stays healthy and he can play pretty much every single snap for you this upcoming season. And then it's going to kind of be trial by error with some of these younger guys. I mentioned the Don Schuler. He's definitely one to look at. Uh, ben Minnick gets a lot of shine, and I think he was even in on a lot of special teams this year. I look at some of those guys who have played special teams, and you look at the Sun Bowl as well. Don Schuler was a guy they were trying to save his red shirt, and they ended up doing that. But in the bowl game, you can play him as much as you want, and it doesn't matter as long as he's played four or less games. He's showing up a lot in that Sun Bowl on special teams, and that's kind of the this, this sign that you look for to say, okay, they think he belongs and, and deserves to be on the football field. That's probably going to translate to defensive snaps in 2024. So, But it's definitely Xavier Watts and everybody else at that position, and that gives me a little bit of cause for concern. I know we have talked about this next subject on game day sports beat, but for our weekday sports beat listenership, let me just allow you the opportunity to give your thoughts on what happened around the holidays with Jared Parker getting the Troy head football coaching job, which opened up the offensive coordinator spot at Notre Dame. And Marcus Freeman called up an old friend and Mike Denbrock and got him to come back to South Bend for a third time. How do you evaluate that transaction? A win-win. I mean, it's a win for Jared Parker. He gets to go be a head coach. And I'm not sure if that's what he was expecting or that that's what he was wanting. Like, put it this way. If he was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame for one more season, I think he would have been completely fine with that, totally happy. He yep. said, okay, let's give it another go. But all of a sudden, you know, Troy is Troy, and it's a lesser program, obviously, a smaller program, but he can still be, go be a head coach. And typically when you do a good job at a school like that, you get to move up, and, and maybe he will be a Power 5 coach someday. But what Marcus Freeman gets is a 60-year-old offensive coordinator who's been there, done that, not only at Notre Dame, but he just led the number one offense in the country at LSU. He turned Jaden Daniels, and I get it, Jaden Daniels had a lot to do with that himself, but into a Heisman Trophy winner. I wrote a few stories at blueandgold.com. Jaden Daniels didn't look at like a Heisman Trophy winner at Arizona State, like at all. He was one of those guys, like a, like a Dorian Thompson Robinson almost, where, like, okay, this guy's got a lot of skill. He'll probably make it to the NFL, but there's a ceiling there. All of a sudden, Jaden Dan- Daniels in this offense that Den Brock was overseeing was just a completely different guy. And, and I give a lot of that credit to Den Brock and just making things easier for an entire offensive unit. So he knows what he's doing. He's a, uh, a player's guy. He's a, a coach's guy. I think Marcus Freeman, what he said in El Paso to us um, the day before the Sun Bowl, just saying, no, I've seen him on the practice field, and I've seen him in the locker room just interacting with people. He knows how to do that. He's a leader. He just got – Darren, when it comes down to it, he's got so much more experience than Jared Parker had. And for a guy that's going to be a third-year head coach and Marcus Freeman, who hasn't even turned 40 years old yet, 
to be able to have now Al Golden, and we've seen what he's done for the Notre Dame defense as a guy with so much experience and, and in the NFL and, and as a head coach of college, Dan Brock is kind of the equivalent of that for the offensive side of the ball. And, and for Marcus Freeman to be able to focus more on what he has to do to be a head coach and have complete confidence that both sides of the ball are taken care of, I think that is of the utmost importance. And that kind of leads into my next question as we talk to Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out his work at blueandgold.com. Now, the NFL head coaching firing season just began today. Not a whole lot has happened so far, but the expectation is there's going to be a few job openings, which means that some new head coaches are going to get jobs and they're going to be looking for assistant coaches. So we're not out of the woods yet with Al Golden, unless he just doesn't want to go to the NFL, then case shut. So let's just play the hypothetical. Golden stays, and in a presidential era, I've said you now have a ticket of Golden Denbrock. That's your ticket for the Irish to get to the playoff in 2024. Just putting those two individuals together as coordinators, Tyler, it's hard to find many teams across the country that have as much experience and success at their jobs that the Irish have in 2024. Totally agree. And that's partly because everywhere has become a rotating door. It's just when you get to this time of year, there are opportunities that open, like you said, in the NFL, Garrett Parker just took one in college and and people don't stay places for very long. I mean, look at Denbrock. I thought he had everything that he'd ever needed. LSU is a place that wins lots of national championships. The last three coaches before Brian Kelly won a national championship there. I mentioned Brian Kelly because Mike Denbrock is a very good friend of Kelly's. They go all the way back to Grand Valley State in the 80s. And you know what? Denbrock says, I want to take this other opportunity at Notre Dame. I'm a Midwest guy. I want to go back up there, and and that's a good opportunity for me. So he's just one example of guys moving around a lot. So for Notre Dame to get that guy in the cycle, because, yeah, guys move around a lot, but we know at Notre Dame you don't always get your top choice. It just happened last year at this exact time. Notre Dame had a couple of guys that it wanted, didn't get them, had to promote Parker. It got its guy this time. And if it can keep Al Golden, like you said, not out of the woods yet, at this time last year, Tommy Reese was still Notre Dame's offensive coordinator. We were, we were about a month away, three weeks away from that domino falling and then everything else going the way that it did. But if by the time spring ball starts in mid to late March, Al Golden is still Notre Dame's defensive coordinator, I think it will have survived the coaching carousel in the best way possible. Just because I was what I was saying in my last answer that you have a guy in his mid fifties and Al Golden who could go anywhere in football. Like a lot of NFL teams would take him on their staff. There's some college teams that would take him as a head coach. Pretty much every college team in the country would take him as the defensive coordinator. But for him to be at Notre Dame still and for Notre Dame to get the leader of the number one offense in the country this past season, I totally agree with you. That is one of the best combinations of OCDC in the country. You were down at the Sun Bowl in El Paso covering the Irish and Oregon State for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Watching Steve Angeli start a game at quarterback for the Fighting Irish, did it change the way you think about him and how the Irish could use him down the line or maybe some other institution might have his services down the line, depending on what Steve wants to do? I wouldn't say changed, more so reaffirmed. Okay. Um, I think that you know that I'm pretty high 
on Steve Angeli, and maybe Mike Singer has rubbed off on me <laughs> a little bit. But look, I, I go to all these practices too, and I, I've seen more of Steve Angeli throwing the football in the last two years than Mike Singer has. I know if he would have flipped that and gone from high school to college, Mike Singer saw a lot more of Steve Angeli than I did at that time. But I've seen a lot of him the last two years, and I knew that he had a little bit of something. And in the garbage time opportunities that he got, I thought he showed that. I was like, okay, nobody's ever going to take this, you know, for 100% worth because it is in garbage time and this is mop-up duty. So I was excited to see him get to start a game. And he, he, he about played as well as he could have. You'll take 15 of 19 for 232, three touchdowns, uh, no interceptions. I wrote at blueandgold.com, 81 quarterbacks going into the national championship game tonight were given a quarterback rating during bowl season across 42 games. And only four of them had a better QBR than Steve Angeli. Mm. And that's really good company. Uh, I forget some of the names, but I think Michael Penix in that game in which he beat my alma mater and was just flat out outstanding. Yeah. The reason that Washington is playing for a title tonight, he was one of those guys. So that's the kind of company that Steve Angeli is sharing. And look, I say all that, but the sample size is still incredibly small, and the circumstances surrounding that Sun Bowl were incredibly weird and awkward, and it wasn't really a true football game, but he still had to go out there and complete passes to somebody, and somebody had to block for him, and he had to hand the ball off to somebody. He pretty much did all of those things the way that you would have liked him to. So, yeah, I do think he's going to start games at the college level, whether that be at Notre Dame one day or, or somewhere else, but He's got the arm, he's got the size, and I think he's got the smarts. He plays a really smart brand of football, and that can be used somewhere for sure. Didn't you cover Will Rogers at Mississippi State? I did. Yeah. Yep. It's very strange. Our good friend Mike Varell, who used to be at the South Bend Tribune, now at the Seattle Times covering Washington, he's got a picture of Rogers sitting on the bench at the national championship game. It's just <laughs> so strange. You transfer and – you get to go to the national championship game and, and watch your new team play. I, I just saw that picture a second ago, and I'm like, yeah, yeah you, you covered Will Rogers back in the day, and there he is sitting on the bench getting ready for tonight's hey. national title game. I'm glad that he's there and gets a front-row seat and obviously <laughs> maybe a chance to uh, play for a really good Washington program because he's a great kid, he has a great family, and good. did a lot of really good things at Mississippi State amid some – I talk about the Sun Bowl being very weird and awkward circumstances. How about playing for one of the most legendary head coaches in college football history and to be his quarterback at the time of that coach's passing? I mean, it was, it was a crazy thing that he went through at Mississippi State, and I hope he finishes his college career the right way because he's a good kid and he deserves it. We're going to get to two more topics really quick with Taylor Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated. You mentioned your alma mater, Texas, lost to Washington in a national semifinal. When I talked to Eric Hansen last week, he referenced the fact that Michigan, the best offense statistically they have faced this year is UNLV. And I'm just wondering, wow. after watching Washington, that offensive line, the Joe Moore Award winner, do a pretty good job against that vaunted Texas front. Does that give you mm -hmm. hope going up against that Michigan pass rush that the Huskies will give Penix enough time to do damage? I, I have not seen chemistry between quarterback and receivers as good as this in quite some time. Yeah, man. It seems like every time Penix went back to throw the ball, and I was watching with a bunch of Texas fans in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and we, we all just kind of knew. It was a collective feeling in the room that 
he's going to do something here. And some of those passes that he made, particularly downfield. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to be accurate. It's another thing to be that accurate, throwing the ball that deep down the field, but he can do it. But like you said, the key is having time. Texas has one of the best defensive fronts in the country, but I think Michigan's is probably a little bit better. And if you look at that Rose Bowl, because I think everybody watches that game as well, if you weren't watching college football all day on January 1st, <laughs> I don't know what you were doing, but Michigan really got after Jalen Milrow, and that was a very big part of that ball game early. Milrow started using his legs and running up and around that pressure. It's not really Penix's strength, and that's not what he's looking to do. So I think that's what the ball game does come down to is you give Penix time, I think he can dissect a – Michigan secondary that is good, but obviously I think Michigan's strength on that number one defense in the country by a lot of metrics is the front seven. So if Washington's Joe Moore award-winning offensive line can offset that a little bit, I think it's going to be, become a game of can Michigan kind of keep up with Washington. And that's where I th- if you're a betting man, I'd probably take the over because I think what I saw from Texas's running game, the answer to the Michigan question is, yeah, they could probably move the ball on Washington. But I think Washington is going to move the ball a little bit as well. So if you like points and you like good college football, you're probably going to get it. And the winner will be? Gosh, Darren, I've been going back and forth on this for a solid week. I switched Um, today to Washington, so. You you did? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Hart says Washington just because I like Penix. And, you know, Washington's not exactly a blue blood, and I think that would be cool to see a team like that win the national title. But I think my head's still says Michigan, but it's about as 50-50 as it gets in my mind. Finally, the Irish women's basketball team has lost two of their last three games. I know Neil Ivey still is pretty stern, not talking about injuries, so we don't know the status on a couple of players at this point. Any concern right now with this team dropping two out of three? Yeah, my concern is that, and I wrote about it at blueandgold.com, it's a premium article, so subscribe if you want to read that but I'll give you a little synopsis here it's more than the injuries and I get it Olivia Miles is a top 10 to 20 player in college basketball probably top 10 like Hannah Dalgo has played so well that we forget how good Olivia Miles is but um, it's more than that to me and we saw it with Sonia Citrone coming back and she gives you 18 points in her first back but to me the, the problem was in the paint Notre Dame was outscored in the paint Notre Dame was out rebounded Kylie Watson, the starting center for Notre Dame, played 35 minutes in the game and only scored one point, and that just can't happen. I go back to the season opener against South Carolina when South Carolina won by 29 points and made it look really easy. Their starting center had 20 points, 14 rebounds, and in that game, I think Kylie Watson had two points and four rebounds. So pretty much every single time Notre Dame's tipping it off, there's a disparity down low, and teams are able to take advantage of that. And then you add on the injuries. I get it. You add Olivia Miles back. If Maddie Westbelt comes back from this concussion, concussion, which obviously she will, it's just a matter of you know how long, how many more games that's going to be. You get Notre Dame at full strength. They could probably contend for an elite eight um, and and find themselves in the game playing for a berth to the final four at the end of the year. But when you get to that point in the season, you're going to be playing some teams that have some really dominant and good post play. And Notre Dame just doesn't have that. So I ended the uh, article that I was alluding to there with just be happy that Notre Dame has Kate Duvall coming in, who is a top five, not only a top five player at her position, I think she might be the number one post in the country, but she's a top five player in the class of 2024. So that missing link 
has been the post player for Notre Dame for a couple years now. If these guards can just stay healthy and you have Olivia Miles next year, you have Sonia Citrone, you have a Hannah Hidalgo, and you add Kate Koval into all that, it's looking like, unfortunately, if you thought that this was going to be the year for Notre Dame, probably not. But if you're looking at 24-25, I think that's the year that maybe this team, and then beyond, obviously, as well, can really start getting back to kind of who they were in the Muffet-McGraw heyday. What's happening right now at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com? Yeah, obviously we've started this conversation out with the Ethan Long commitment, and I propped up my guys Mike Singer and Kyle Kelly for all they do in recruiting coverage. They have a ton of content there, some of it free, some of it behind that paywall. So highly suggest signing up for blueandgold.com because through the offseason, we're going to take you guys through the ins and outs of what the 2024 Notre Dame football season might look like. And I guess there's no, no better time than now to tease that with Riley Leonard coming in and I know the uh, the opening montage to this conversation was all those Riley Leonard highlights and whatnot. I'm going to be watching a ton of those. Jack Sobel is going to be watching a ton of those. We're going to do exactly what we did with Sam Hartman last offseason and watching every single one of his games, breaking them down with some video, with some analysis at blueandgold.com. We're going to do that with Riley Leonard for the last two seasons. So we're going to look at the 2022 campaign and then 2023. I think that's 21 starts worth of Riley Leonard that you're going to get at blueandgold.com. So Subscription, definitely worth it. Good to hear your voice once again, Tyler. And we will talk to you again next Monday as we keep the Notre Dame football conversation going because before we know it, spring practice will be rolling around these parts. So enjoy the game tonight, first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely. One more uh, college football game left in this season. It always flies by so fast. But like you said, it'll be spring ball before we know it. And then uh, we'll be talking about Notre Dame, Texas A&M before we know it as well. And we'll be talking about what Notre Dame's going to be seated in next year's 12-team playoff. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think they can do it. They yep. can do it. A lot, lot of conversation to be had on that throughout the next eight months, though. Tyler, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, sir. Thank you, sir. That's Tyler Horka. Read his work at blueandgold.com, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. We'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting with his colleague, Mike Singer, on tomorrow's program. And again, right at the start of our conversation, we got the word that Ethan Long, 2025 safety, has picked Notre Dame over Michigan, Ohio State, and others. Another great day for Marcus Freeman and the Fighting Irish on the recruiting trail. It is 557 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Looking to take your business career to the next level? Bethel University in Mishawaka, Indiana has you covered. Our MBA and MA in organizational leadership programs are tailored to working professionals, providing the flexibility to choose between online or on-campus options. You can now gain the skills and knowledge you need to become a successful leader on your own terms. Join the Bethel University community and position yourself for success. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground to request more information and apply today. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Make sure that you do everything to get these kids ready to have success. It starts with giving them your heart. On Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Now it's going to be to take this team to the next level, and and I'm excited for that challenge. From Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Hey, they know the expectations here. They better be loud and crazy to make sure everybody knows how special it is to play in Notre Dame Stadium.
It is four minutes after six o'clock. Welcome back to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT, where tomorrow night the Irish basketball team will play at Georgia Tech. Nine o'clock tip, 8.30 pregame on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports Beat is being brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. The King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash SolidGround for details. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. And by the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, on Friday's program, this was the question that I posted on Twitter X. My account is at 960 Sports Beat. Which of these Notre Dame offensive players that were freshmen in 2023 will make the biggest jump in their game in 2024. Now, I put in parentheses, I did not put Jeremiah Love, the Irish running back on the list, because he would be an obvious number one choice. So we took Love off the board. Here are your four choices. Wide receiver, Jaden Greathouse. Wide receiver, Jordan Faison. Offensive tackle, Charles Jagaza. And tight end, Cooper Flanagan. After many, many people voted, here are the results. Fourth in line for a freshman in 23 on the offensive side of the football that will make the biggest jump this year. Tight end Cooper Flanagan got 8% of the vote. Third place in the voting at 23%. The former walk-on lacrosse player. Now he's just a Notre Dame wide receiver. That's what we should call him, although he still plays lacrosse. Jordan Faison got 23% of the vote. Second place in our voting, gathering 27% wide receiver, Jaden Greathouse. And which of these Notre Dame offensive players that were freshmen in 23 will make the biggest jump in their game in 24? You believe it is offensive tackle Charles Jagaso, who got the start in the Sun Bowl, taking the spot of Joe Ald at left tackle. Charles got 42%. Of the vote. Hey, all four are going to factor into the offense in 2024. But going from five snaps all year to playing the Sun Bowl gives you the opportunity to make a big jump in 24. And you guys believe the offensive tackle was the way to go. We thank you for voting. Here is today's question Which former Notre Dame player or players have the best chance to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl? So which former Notre Dame players have the best chance to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl? We start with the Dallas Cowboys, the Martin-Aubrey combination. I mean, the place kicker, Notre Dame soccer player, goes to the USFL, has a great run. Now he just doesn't miss kicks. It's amazing. And good old Zach Martin, one of the greatest offensive guards in NFL history, 
actually missed the Washington game yesterday with an illness. He had to have been sick to miss a game like that. Another choice, Aaron Banks, starting left guard for the San Francisco 49ers, who are the number one seed in the NFC. By the way, Dallas is two. Another choice, how about Julian and Romeo Okwara and Brock Wright, members of the Detroit Lions, who are the three seed. And your fourth and final choice, we go to La La Land, the L.A. Rams. Kyron Williams and Ben Skoranek representing Notre Dame. What about that combination? Rams played great football this year. Not a lot expected of them. Put together a really good season. So which former Notre Dame player or players have the best chance to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl? You can go Martin and Aubrey, the Cowboys. Banks with the 49ers. Aquora, Aquora, Wright with the Lions, and Williams and Skoranek with the Rams. You can find my vote right now on Twitter X at 960 Sportsbeat. We'll have the results on tomorrow's program. And of course, a brand new question, and it will have to do with former Notre Dame players and who have the best chance to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl this year. We've got some good choices there as well. All right, look forward to that vote on my Twitter X account at 960-SPORTSPEEP. We'll take a timeout. The conversation continues up until 6.30 tonight. That's when the program ends, and we have to get to the national championship game from ESPN Radio. Their pregame coverage starts at the bottom of the hour. The Michigan Wolverines, the champions of the Big Ten, taking on the champions of the soon-to-be-bye-bye Pacific 12 Conference, the Washington Huskies. All the play-by-play coming up tonight on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here come the Irish. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. In trouble and sacked. Riley Mills with the sack at the 42-yard line. Oh. And it's intercepted. Picked off middle of the field. Kaiser. On Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Driven back into the backfield after no game. Jalen Sneed. Ball, hit, hit. Ball comes out. Notre Dame's got it. Howard Cross knocked the ball out. From Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. They won't make it. They get stopped. No chance. Joshua Burnham was there to meet him and throw him for a loss. Morris in trouble and sacked. That is R.J. Open. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, 6.15 on this Monday evening. Wonderful to have you with me. Again, we are off the air at the bottom of the hour due to coverage of the national championship game between Michigan and Washington. Notre Dame hockey played over the weekend against the number five team of the country, the Wisconsin Badgers, the series at the Compton Family Ice Arena to Sold-out, standing-room-only crowds got to watch one of the best teams in the country, Wisconsin. Beat Notre Dame twice on Saturday, a hard-fought 2-1 victory, a power play goal mid-portion of the third period for Wisconsin was the difference as they picked up a 2-1 victory and then a wacky game on Saturday. These are two of the best defensive teams in the country, but there were turnovers and breakdowns galore. Wisconsin jumped out to a 5-1 lead on Saturday. They give up 1.52 goals per game. You think the game's over. 
Notre Dame, late in the second period, scored three times in 319, including two goals in 15 seconds, got to within 5-4. to four. But unfortunately, the Badgers closed out the game in the third period with an even-strength goal and an empty net goal. And Wisconsin finished the sweep of the Irish in South Bend with a 7-4 victory Saturday night. A lot of breakdowns defensively. Turnovers really hurt the Irish. And with the difficulty the Irish have consistently scoring, that puts a lot of pressure on Ryan Bissell, the goaltender who actually saved it from being 10 or 11 to 4. He made some spectacular saves. Talking to someone that I respect in the industry made a point that maybe Bischel allowed one goal that he could have made the stop on the others. He had no chance. Kind of gives you a perspective. He was put in a very difficult spot this weekend. Hey, a lot of that credit is to the way Wisconsin moves the puck, but the Irish just, I hate saying intensity wasn't there on Saturday. It just felt off for a good portion of that game before the Irish had those three goals in 319. So the Irish fall back to the 500 mark, 10-10-2. They're now 4-6-2 in the Big Ten. Their NCAA hopes are dwindling at this particular time. They're going to have to get hot. The good news is you play great teams every night in the Big Ten, and you've got a lot of opportunities to pick up big wins, but they're going to have to start winning these games because in the last seven Big Ten games, Notre Dame is 1-6. They've been outscored in the six losses, 22-9. It'll be Notre Dame against last place Ohio State in Columbus Friday at 7, Saturday at 7. Here both games on our sister station, Quality Rock 94.3 FM. Also, for those of you outside the area, you can always get the audio presentation at Fighting Irish. So with me traveling with the Irish this week, we will not have a sports beat show on Thursday, but Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, is going to do the show Wednesday and Friday this week. So still plenty of Notre Dame football conversation and more coming up this week here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We got to... Hear that sound a lot over the weekend. Well, not really, but that's the sound when my picks on our sports wagering segment hits. And it was a really good Friday here on the program. Let's recap our sports wagering segment. Again, this was from Friday. Friday night in Big Ten college basketball, Illinois and Purdue played. And I took the Illini plus the 10.5 against the Boilermakers at minus 105. You bet 10 to win 1925. Wasn't looking good when the Illini were down 21 or 22, but they battled back and almost had an opportunity to win the game. But the Boilermakers won 83-78, a five-point win. So the 10.5 that we took with the Illini came out to be a good choice. So we started 1-0. I had Purdue guard Lance Jones under 11.5 points at minus 125. I thought the Length of the Illinois guards would slow him down. Did not. He had 17 in the ballgame. Also from the Illinois-Purdue game, good-looking player Quincy Guerrier from Illinois. He has been really good the last month, in particular with their leading scorer, Terrence Shannon Jr. out. I had Guerrier over 11.5 points at minus 130. He ended up with 18, so our $10 wager won a 17.69. From Friday... 
NBA action. The high-scoring Indiana Pacers hosting Mike Bray and the Atlanta Hawks. I went with the Pacers laying three at minus 110. The Pacers put up a 150 burger on the Hawks. Pacers won 150 to 116, a 34-point win, easily covering the three points. I had two picks from the NFL on Friday. Texans laying one and a half at the Colts at minus 110, and the Titans plus five and a half against the Jaguars at minus 110. We won both. Texans won by four. Titans won by eight. Didn't need the five and a half. So five and one on Friday. If you bet $10 on each one of those, we won 34-21. So 12-7-1 last week. All right, four quick picks for tonight. I flip-flopped, so be aware. Dangerous. I'm going with the Washington Huskies plus five against the Wolverines in the title game at minus 110. You bet 10 to win 1909. The Wolverine running game will be effective in this game against the Huskies. I've got Michigan running back Blake Corum going over 99 and a half rushing yards at minus 115. $10 wager could win you 1869. From the NHL, I've got the Bruins on the money line at the Colorado Avalanche at plus 110. We'll go with the road dog. $10 wager could end up being a $21 victory. And my fourth pick is going to be tomorrow, so this is a little look ahead. Rutgers laying three against Indiana in Piscataway. I'll take that at minus 110. Good luck to you tonight in your ventures. There are some nice profit boosts with the title game tonight, depending on which service that you use. Sports be brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Bethel University's adult and graduate studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. And by the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Well, enjoy tonight's national championship game. I know a lot of Irish fans who you're rooting for. Hopefully we get a wonderful game tonight. You can hear it here on WSBT Radio in just a couple of moments. Have a wonderful evening. My name is Darren Pritchett. Back tomorrow at 5 o'clock on your home of the Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 